Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ John Strzemski. We are right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, rocking and rolling from South Beach. And to quote our buddy and our pal, Stu Finer, promises made, promises delivered from our buddy, our pal, the great Joe Beningo, who was very, very confident that my beloved Miami Dolphins would take down the New York Giants. And listen, I didn't have the chutzpah to make the pick. He and Jeff Money end up including the Miami Dolphins. They are vindicated, and the Giants are in the middle of yet another lost season. Now, the grandiose takes with the Giants are probably not appropriate for today. You're starting Mike Glennon at quarterback you don't have Kadarius Tony. The Miami Dolphins are playing much better football than the New York Giants. But what you had in this particular game was really two teams headed in different directions. It's interesting because you have Brian Flores and Joe Judge both off of the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Flores took a team that was 1-7, that was dead to rights, and has completely turned this season around. Joe Judge, on the other hand, continues to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, and it's keeping him and his team, in some ways, from being the sort of winning franchise they need to be, aside from the talent, of course, which clearly, as we know, is not good enough, and it's one of the many reasons why Dave Gettleman needs to be out at the end of the year. But Joe Judge, when he took the job over, and I remember this vividly, 
He mentioned this idea of being aggressive and coaching to win. I know you're starting a backup quarterback, but you cannot under any circumstances have three situations, specifically one in the second half of this game, when you're down four and it's fourth and two and you're punting the football. And I don't want to hear after the game, oh, my defense is playing great, forced a couple of three and outs. Let's examine those three and outs. 25-yard drop from Mike Kosicki. Drop from Jalen Waddle, which probably would have been a 30 or a 40-yard play. If you are watching the game closely, you know sooner or later, hey, I got to score some points. Maybe trust your defense to go, even if you don't execute, even if you don't get the job done, to maybe force it to run out. It's cowardly coaching. It happens week after week after week. And it's why in many ways I've soured on Joe Judge from where I was last year and to where I am at this year. Let's put it this way. I'm not going to be shedding any tears if the Giants decide to clean house at the end of the season. Maybe they keep Judge. Maybe they don't. If he's gone at the end of the year, you devastated. If you're a Giant fan, how can you be? And you know what would annoy me? This coach after the game, having the audacity to basically preach the positives. Seriously? You got punked. You lost this game by two scores. Your offensive line had no answer for Jalen Phillips, who basically was just running around getting sack after sack after sack. Your offense is like watching paint dry. It's as bad as can be. Don't sit there and preach the positives when you're 4-8. I'll take it a step further. How about Logan Ryan, who's a good guy and everybody seems to like him? He's taking shots at my quarterback. You just lost by two scores to my quarterback, who had about three, four lengthy 11, 12, 13-play drives Watching it right down your throat and scoring touchdowns. So do me a favor. You're going to take shots at Tua. Maybe go win the damn game. Come on, man. What kind of nonsense is that? If I'm the coach and I hear that after the game, hello, we lost. We didn't win. Now is not the time to be cracking jokes. The Giants are miserable to watch. Listen, let's call it like it is. Watched in the Eagle game a week ago. They were very lucky to win. Wasn't for Jalen Hurts basically giving you gift after gift after gift, you lose that game. There are about six guys on this team without hesitation you want to build with. Tony, Ojoari, who I love, Andrew Thomas, who I think is looking more and more competent with each passing week. He's a part of the solution. There are young players to build with. Minimally. You know who's not one of those guys? Saquon Barkley. Don't let these stats at the end of the game fool you where he added a couple of garbage points. Saquon in this game, he's dropping passes. He's got absolutely no burst at the line of scrimmage. Saquon Barkley looks like he's like 35 years old. He looks like Todd Gurley at the end with the Los Angeles Rams. Here's the one problem. You didn't even get the Todd Gurley years where he was, you know, top notch. When was the year for the Giants where Saquon Barkley like dominated the season? They had none of that. So there's a lot of pessimism with that football team. And there should be. 4-8, and eight, going nowhere fast. If Jones is out for the remainder of the year, Giants are going to be lucky to win more than extra, what, game? Two games max? If they're starting gliding the rest of the year, I'm putting their over-under 
at one and a half moving forward. So, that was a tough watch. Ugly game, but listen, came up swimmingly for me. I had the under. Ended up throwing in the Dolphins because YOLO. Had a nice chat with my head coach before the game. The greater left the Rackets boys set that up. So, Brooklyn and Staten Island, a meeting of the minds. Love Coach Flo. Got to get him on New York, New York. I told him we got to do something about that Met fandom, but, you know, you don't play games with Coach Flo. It was a great day for me. And the picks actually were fantastic, too. So, sorry, Giant fans. I told you, I was going to try to be as classy as I can be, but I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit, especially when I got to hear Logan Ryan after the game. Dude, do me a favor. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. You lost. You lost by two scores. Pipe down. Don't be taking shots at my quarterback. I don't appreciate it. Now, the beauty of technology, and it's fantastic because it took forever to get the hell out of Hard Rock Stadium after the game. Kate was not happy at me. You know, what else is new? I'm always in the doghouse. But I had two phones going in the Uber heading back to watch the four o'clock window. I had the jet game from earlier that I didn't have an opportunity to watch live. And then I had the red zone going where I'm monitoring basically all my four o'clock games. And she's looking at me like I have 10 heads. She's like, what is wrong with you? What is your problem? You have an issue. I'm like, yeah, I know. This is the life you've chosen. This is why I do what I do. But from a Jet standpoint, you know, I liked them before about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. I was very close to firing a wager on the New York Jets until we found out that the favorite of Bill Simmons, the stash, Gardner Minshew, was going to be starting over Jalen Hurts. And even though the line moved a little bit, line moved a little bit, it had me that much more confident in the Philadelphia Eagles to go and get a victory. And this was a wild and chaotic game in the first half. You had a bunch of scores galore. You finally got the Jet offense and specifically Zach Wilson going. Got a little trickery from Berrios. Nice to see the Wilson to Elijah Moore chemistry and connection get down to where it needs to be. Because, listen, Moore is going to be, I think, one of the building blocks for this franchise over years to come. Like, he's a guy that's got to be getting eight, nine, 10, 11 looks a game. But the Jet defense, which we've talked about, it's got issues. It's got problems. No answer for Dallas Goddard. No answer for the screen game. And no answer for the stash. Back and forth game, aided by the fact that the Jets bring in a new place kicker, can't hit an extra point, to the point where Salah basically is like, screw it, we're going for two, as you should. Second half, this was about the Jet defense not being able to get off the field. Now, there was some, there was some shoddy officiating. And Steratore was all over this. Looked like they had a fourth down stop. You're thinking, all right, all the momentum's on the side of the Jets. Crowd's all fired up. Jet team is all fired up. The overturn in that game, I I still for the life of me cannot understand it. I cannot understand it. Made absolutely no sense. It's one of those game-changing type of calls. Can't have it. Can't have it when you're not the better team on the field. But Jet offense, the second half of this game, couldn't get in a rhythm. 
and they couldn't get in a rhythm because the defense right now is just, it's not any good. No consistent pass rush. Shaky in the back half of the secondary. There are some players, there are some keepers you like. But the work for this team has got to start in the offseason. Go get another corner. Go get another defensive end. To where Robert Sala can run the sort of defense with guys he can actually trust. Right now, this, def- this defense is basically a bottom five defense in the league. And I'm probably being kind in saying that. It's going to be tough to win a lot of games that way. So the Eagles take care of business. I would preach the positive with Wilson, even though he threw an interception in the second half, because I thought there was more good than bad. I think it's a building block game for Zach. He needs those. And let's see the Jets now figure out a way to play competitive football over their final, what, five games. So the Jets over their final five, they got New Orleans at home. Then they will travel to South Beach and take on my team in a game that the Dolphins are absolutely going to need. Then they got Jacksonville at home, Buccaneers at home, at Buffalo. Can the Jets get two more of those games? You like them in the Jacksonville game. I can't see him beating Buffalo if Buffalo has anything to play for. I can't see him beating Tampa unless Tampa's got nothing to play for. Miami, New Orleans. I'd probably give him a better shot in the New Orleans game, but Jet Dolphin division game, just look at the Lions. It's the NFL. It's the NFL. Regardless of the record, it's about this quarterback growing. Good step in the right direction. Need a whole lot of pieces on defense. And I think Gardner Minshew just hooked up for another touchdown with Dallas Goddard. So, rough day for the Jet defense. But we had all that cooking. We had a crazy 4 o'clock window, which I'm glad I was dialed into, and it was profitable, so we love that. And now the college football playoff is set. And I told you guys on Thursday, Georgia's the better team. They're either going to win by 20 or they're going to lose outright. Well, they lost outright. Typical Georgia, typical Kirby Smart. Quarterback was very underwhelming, and now the final four is set. Bama is in, stunner. So it'll be Bama and Cincy, and then we will have... Michigan and Georgia. And over a couple of cocktails last night, we were having some fun trying to discuss and guess the line. I nailed it. Buddy of mine tried to tell me that Georgia would be a double-digit favorite. As I'm watching Alabama score touchdown after touchdown, I'm like, hold on a second. You think they're making them a 10-point favorite? Are you insane? And we'll save our picks. We got some time on that. I say without hesitation, I am fully committed on both of these games already sometimes with the college football playoff you gotta like wait and see you know you want to see how the line is gonna shift you kind of want to see the direction of the money no 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 no. I'm I'm good I know what two games I like and I'm gonna decide when I'm gonna unveil those not today because I want to let it marinate for you guys and gals over the next couple days but strongly on both games that's all I'm gonna say so Losing day in New York football, and uh, I'm sorry, Giant fans, not exactly going to have a sympathetic ear from yours truly, at least for today. Um, Maybe my next guest will, because he can't stand the Dolphins. My good pal, Evan Roberts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So on this first weekend in December, I thought it'd be a perfect time to welcome in my old pal, the Renaissance man of WFAN. And I don't even know the last time I've seen him. I've heard from him. You know, I thought we were good buddies. I thought we were good pals, but you know, I think he was kind of lying in the weeds for like big things to happen for his baseball team. His nets just, they're, they're, they're unbelievable because they have Kevin Durant must be nice, but he has to deal with the jets. What's happening. Evan Roberts. How are you, pal? The last time I saw you, JJ was at game six Islanders lightning. And I didn't say goodbye because after the Islanders won to force a game seven beers, bottles, and oh, bottles we were getting destroyed. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was, that was a scary scene, dude. Let's be honest. You and I yes. have been in a lot of crazed sporting environments and the Coliseum was electric. It was off the charts. But when that game winning goal happened, I'm like in the aisles. I'm like ducking for cover. That was insane, dude. It was insane. And that that's why I never said goodbye to you because I was celebrating the win. And then I realized, wait a second, I'm in a war zone. I'm in Vietnam. I got to get the hell out of here. And so I was hightailing it out of Nassau Coliseum because, man, those beers were a flying. The bombs were falling. I don't know if you felt this way going into the Jet game. So full disclosure, I like the Jets going into Sunday. I said the Eagles off a loss. Not in love with Jalen Hurts, getting six and a half points. Public's on the Eagles, yet the line's not moving. All of that, Evan, went out the window when I heard the stash was starting at quarterback. So, did you feel more or less confident with the news that came down at around like 10 or 10 15 in the morning? Oh, less confident. First of all, I actually think Gardner Minshew is a capable NFL quarterback. And when the Jets made that rush to trade for Joe Flacco, I was thinking to myself, why not trade for Gardner Minshew? I mean, why not trade for a guy who you never know may have a future in this league as opposed to a, a fossil known as Flacco? But I want to make something clear, bro. I had no confidence either way. So it's not as if I thought they were going to steal a victory against Jalen Hurts. And here's the main reason why, and I think you saw it in this game against the Eagles. Their defense stinks, you know? I heard C.J. Mosley after the game saying, no one respects us. Yeah, because you're not any good. And they've been awful all season long. There was a little bit of, oh, well, they did a decent job against the Texans. Great. Let's have a party. I mean, their defense was historically bad coming out of that bye for a four-week stretch, capped with that, you know, embarrassment on Thursday night against Indianapolis. This is just a bad defense and what just drives me nuts. And I guess I give Minshew credit for executing it is they can't stop a simple screen. I mean, how many times did we see a screen pass to Dallas Goddard of all people that no one could stop? So I do agree with you that Minshew is better, and I felt like this was going to be worse than when I thought Jalen Hurts was starting. But either way, I had zero expectations that the Jets were going to follow up the Texan win with another W. Where are you on the quarterback? It's early, but you had the Mike White phenomenon. You had Joe Flacco light up the Miami Dolphins. Clearly, older quarterbacks have run this offense a heck of a lot better than Zach Wilson. But at the same time, Ev, he's a rookie. So, you know, there's a certain scale. There's a certain uh, learning curve, if you will, for how you're going to grade a quarterback of that ilk. Where do you stand on your second overall pick? Are you still confident? Are you out? Are you somewhere in the middle? 
Well, I'm definitely not confident. I would, I would certainly never use the word confident. Well, but... I mean, let's be honest. You're never confident on anything <laughs> yeah, regarding exactly. your football team. Exactly. I mean, let's be real. Exactly. I actually, and maybe this is the loser mentality that I have and how low the bar is. I felt really good about the improvement I saw in this Philadelphia game. I mean, first of all, they scored touchdowns on their first three drives, which you never see. Obviously, the first one was really set up by Braxton Berrios, and they ran the football well. Tevin Coleman played well. But I saw Zach Wilson functioning as the capable starting quarterback that the Jets need him to be, making the simple pass that he has struggled with throughout, even coming off this injury. So I was pretty much encouraged by what I saw in this game against Philadelphia, the execution on the fourth down play to Ryan Griffin. And I can't even kill him for what happened in the second half because he never had the football in the third quarter of this game. And then when he finally had a decent drive early fourth quarter, he threw that brutal interception, but he barely touched the ball in the second half and no rhythm. So I felt good about what I saw in the first half, which gives me a little bit of confidence that at least we're seeing improvement. But look, it's been a brutal year. I mean, there's no denying that he's had a very, very rough rookie season. I think what I have to do and other Jet fans have to do is just remind ourselves he's a rookie. But I think a performance like Sunday against the Eagles was important because you do need to see some semblance of confidence and improvement. And I did see that specifically in the first half against the Eagles. So I'm not confident, but it's nice to at least see a little bit of growth from Zach because his first game back after the injury. I mean, it was it was awful, especially because of what you said. We saw Josh Johnson, Mike F and White, Joe Flacco run this offense. So you needed to see something from Zach. I'm at least okay with what I saw in the first half against the Eagles. I've known you for a while. So I know certain teams that irritate you, that get under your skin. My beloved football team would fit that description. They would fit that criteria. Are you starting to get annoyed as you watch the Dolphins win an ugly game against the New York Giants? They go from 1-7, and seven, now all of a sudden they're 6-7. and seven. They got a bye. They got the Giants in a couple of weeks. Then they go to the New York Jets. Are you starting to worry, Evan Roberts, about my cockroach Dolphins getting in the AFC playoff picture? Be honest with me, buddy. Be uh, honest. All right. Uh, let's... <laughs> First of all, yes, I can I, sense it. I can I, sense the anger in your voice already. I oh, can oh, sense it. oh, I'm angry. I mean, I thought that at least misery was going to have company with the Dolphins this year, especially with you not owning your first round pick. That was like really sweet, especially after the last few years where it seemed like you always had an extra first round pick. I'm not worried about you making the playoffs yet, but I am a little bit worried that Tua looks halfway competent. So not that he's Justin Herbert or anything like that. So at least you're going to have to live with that regret for the next two decades. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, let's not make Herbert out to be Dan Marino yet. <laughs> he looks better. I mean, he's more talented, but no, no, the Chargers I, are what, seven and five? He's not. How many playoff make it, games have I, they won? I'm with you. He has not proven yet that this is going to be the thing that haunts you forever. But we're on our way to at least him being the quarterback. Not that he's ever going to be Dan Marino, bro, but if he's better than Tua, if Tua flames out, and you're back looking for a new quarterback a year or two, and you don't replace him with a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun well, Watson. Bother you. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if he's not Dan Marino, it'll bother you. But I'm not fully worried yet about you being a playoff team, but it does bother me that you now look like a competent football team, that your defense has been excellent. I mean, I, I got to hand it to you. That Tua, I got to hand it to him, has actually played well recently. I wouldn't put too much stock in what you did against the Giants because they have – one of the most inept offensive lines I've ever seen. Their 
head coach is an idiot. How embarrassing. How many times on fourth and two or on fourth and oh. three are you going to punt? Oh. I mean, how many times do I need to see it, Evan? Even Dude. today with the Baltimore Ravens, they said, you know what? We need two yards. We have Lamar Jackson who won an MVP a couple of years ago. We're going to trust him. Now, the Giants don't have those sort of players, but there's a certain mentality you need to have in the NFL now coaching games. You can't be punting and just basically be a team that's okay with the idea of kicking field goals left and right. It's not winning Dude. football. Dude, fourth and two from the 46-yard line. And what, what boggled my mind is, do you remember the play call on third and two? They took a shot deep down the field with Evan Ingram. Fine. If you're taking a shot down the field on third and two, I don't know. My brain tells me, great, it's four-down territory. At least they'll go for it on fourth and two. When he sends Riley Dixon out to punt, and by the way, he sucked in this game. I mean, some terrible punts, especially in a game in which Early on, you're going to need to win the field position battle, and he sticks it in the end zone. So the Giants get like a net gain of 26 yards. That was embarrassing coaching, and I know it didn't kill them, but it should be pointed out that at the end of the first quarter, the brilliant head coach had no idea how much time was left on the play clock in comparison to time left in the first quarter because he wasted a timeout when they literally could have gone to the end of the first quarter because he had no idea and figured, oh my God, I got to call a timeout. We may get a delay of game. Coach, can you pay attention to what's going on around you? I think it's been obvious the last few weeks. He's just another in the long lines of bad NFL coaches. And it's unfortunate the Giant fan has had to sit here and watch this now for a second year. You've been doing this a long time now, which is crazy to say. But when you first started, when you and Joe were doing the midday show, the Giants were this like standard of excellence. They were this beacon in town. Dude, did you ever think that you'd be living in a world where the Giants, for the better part of a decade, dude, they've been an out-and-out abomination? It's stunning. No, it's dude, it's truly, truly stunning because you're right. I mean, I'm starting with Joe in 07, and obviously that following year, pretty much, they go on that magical Super Bowl run. They tack on another one in 11. And even in the years in which they didn't win the Super Bowl and we would rip the Giants, we'd rip them for... You know, a year that was a disappointment, not a year that was pathetic. You know, we never got to this level of patheticness. So it's stunning what the Giants or where the Giants have gone. The thing that probably surprises me the most is that we're sitting in a universe in which the New York Mets outspend the New York Yankees. Oh, don't that get me part... started with that. I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm glad that you All brought right. that up. Let's go right there because I could sense it in your tweets. I, 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 I know you very, very well. Yeah. So the idea that you have this owner who's spending like a drunken sailor, who basically says $43 million, $42 million, whatever the hell it is for Max Scherzer, I'm not going to lie to you. I am jealous. I watched all that crap last week, and I was annoyed, and I was ticked off. It bothered me, Evan. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. And it bo- uh, The Yankee fan that says they weren't bothered by that is lying, bro. They are flat out lying. They can tell me whatever the hell they want. They are lying. You know when it's really going to bother them? And I respect and appreciate that you're admitting this now. I really do. But where it's really going to bother them, where they can't hide anymore, and I'm not being a jerk when I say this, I really do think this could happen, is when the Mets are bidding on Aaron Judge next winter. When the Mets are going you had aggressive. To go there, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, see, now, now you're trying to needle. Now you're no, really, really dude, trying dude, to dude. I, I can sense it. I can sense it. I, I swear I to you, here's why I'm not trying to needle. If Steve Cohn's in on everybody, if the Mets are off oh, 43 million for Max Scherzer, whatever, what makes you think 
they wouldn't do the same thing for one of yours. You know, it's one thing for the Mets to outbid other teams. The Yankees were never involved on Max Scherzer. Like Steve Cohen hasn't yet taken something from you or outbid you on someone. If you want to include Starling Marte, I guess, but that's kind of minor in terms of, yeah, the Yankees were interested. He would have been a good fit for them, but wait until he comes into your backyard and takes something from you. And I'm not saying that to needle you. I'm saying because I'm saying it because I think it's realistic because I think that's the world we may live in. Am I nuts to think the Mets may not go after an elite level right fielder when he becomes a free agent next year? Why not? Well, with their pocketbooks, they can do it. I'll tell you what's going to bother me even more. Not even judge, because we'll get to that a year from now. <laughs> Buck Showalter is the guy I want to manage in the Yankees. You know that. I love Buck. Yes. He's yes. a Yankee through and through. If I have to see Buck Showalter next year in a Met jacket, in the orange and blue hat, managing your team when he should be managing my team, for goodness sakes, <laughs> that's not going to say. Do you want Buck, by the way? You should. You should. I, I, this is, uh, I think, an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway because I'm being honest. I'm always honest. I'm at the point, JJ, where I don't care who the manager is. I think the manager's really? job. Dude, really? I, th I think the manager's job is so overrated. Obviously. It can be. I mean, it can be, but if you have a difference maker, yeah, but you, I, you saw what Cora did for the Red Sox. No, no, Even absolutely. Even a guy like Dusty. Even there, a guy there, like Dusty. There's a handful of guys who are difference makers, and by difference makers, yeah, maybe they make a difference in a couple of games, five, six games. I don't think we ever see a bad team become a great team because of the manager, but I will say this about Buck and Bruce Bochy. Bochy would be the top of my list. I think the Buck love affair. I wouldn't affair, fight you on that. I would not fight you on that. No, no I, I can't imagine how anybody would. I mean, Guys Bruce Bochy's won championships. He's a Hall of like, Famer. Yeah. Buck Showalter's a really good manager. I'm not trying to diminish what he's done all over, whether it was Arizona, whether it was the Yankees, whether it was the Orioles. I get it. He's a good manager. Bochy's a champ. Bochy's a Hall of Famer. But I am, I am leaning towards the idea of a guy with experience only because I'm sick and tired of watching managers make mistakes that they can't make. You know, like screwing up lineup cards the way Mickey Calloway did a couple of years ago. So I, I'm not passionate or crazy about this guy's got to manage the team. That guy's got to manage the team. Because ultimately, as a diehard baseball fan, I really think it just comes down to the players. And all you need is competence managing your team. You know, Ned Yost managed the team to a World Series. Do we really think Ned Yost is any kind of genius? I mean, do we? I don't. But I do believe there are difference makers. Do you think and Buck's a difference maker, though? I do, because he wins everywhere, bro. He wins everywhere. He also and decided I never also to go. I don't like it. But you know what I don't like either? This what? idea that he was, in 1995, the manager of the Yankees. He didn't know what he had in Mariano Rivera. The dynasty happens. Buck, close in Arizona. Right. Close with the Baltimore Orioles. Built a good team with the Texas Rangers. To see it come full circle for him. With the Mets, dude. Oh, like, I get that. I can't no, no. digest that. I, I, totally, I, I, I totally understand your perspective on Buck coming here, having success, and how that kills you. But how does he leave Zach Britton in the bullpen in that wild card game years ago? Ben you know magic. what I mean? Like, I agree with that. Right. Ben so I've seen Buck Showalter make mistakes that would drive me nuts. Now, all managers do. I admit that. I just, I think I'm at the point where, I can't get nuts about a manager. Now, obviously, once they start making boneheaded moves, am I going to kill them? Of course. That's what we do as fans. So I think I lean more towards the experience side of things. But when you take a guy like Brad Ausmus, and I'm not saying Brad Ausmus is this great manager. He hasn't proven to be. You know, he had, was in Anaheim for a year, had a few years in Detroit. 
I think Brad Ausmus would get a very similar result out of this Met team as Buck Showalter would. I know Buck's the popular guy and everybody wants him. And there's this marketing campaign in his favor the last few weeks, whether it's Mike Vaccaro writing columns or Adam Jones coming out saying he's great. I just don't think there's that big of a difference between competent managers. So if it's Buck, it's Buck. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to be upset about it. I just don't think it's that big of a deal at this point. Final one. Because I know you got to rest up. You got a busy day ahead of you tomorrow. But you're one of the 50 Brooklyn Net fans in town. You're one, <laughs> you're one of the few. You're one of the few. I was there the other night. What, what would you say the crowd breakdown was Tuesday at Barclays? 70, 30 Nick fans? No. Come on. You know what? I think it was. It, it, I mean, I thought you heard an MVP chance. For, let, let's put it this way. There were more Nick fans in the Barclays Center, percentage-wise, than Giant fans in Hard Rock Stadium today. Is that reasonable? Yeah, no, I would say that. I think it was 50-50. I mean, I don't think it was 70-30 Knicks. Like, trust me, I've heard 70-30 Knicks. I've heard 90-10 Knicks back in the day in Newark specifically. But I thought it was slight edge for net fans. Maybe where I was really, sitting. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, dude, Nick fans, are, sense, but okay. Nick fans are loud, no doubt about it. And there were MVP chants for Julius Randle, and they were booing the free throws that James Harden was taking. No doubt about it. There were those embarrassing moments that I'm used to as a Brooklyn Net fan. But I thought it was about 55-45 Nets would be my guess on the breakdown. It wasn't 70-30 Knicks. Nah, I like the idea, 70-30. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll compromise to 60-40 or 65-35. But I am going to argue to the death that there were more Nick fans and Net fans in the building. But who the hell cares? Your team's the favorite. Your team's the team to beat as far as I'm concerned. I know Milwaukee won the title last year, but you have the best player in the NBA, and his name is Kevin Durant. Is Milwaukee the team, though? that is keeping you up at night thinking about this championship that you have craved from all of your teams. And you've had close calls, kid, 2015 Mets, Jets, back-to-back titles. When you are trying to map out your path to Brooklyn winning an NBA title, does it start and end in many ways with Giannis or are you looking at the Western Conference? I'm scared of everybody, first of all, but the Bucks do scare me because after the Nets dominated those first two games, game one and two in Brooklyn without James Harden, they got thoroughly outplayed. I mean, they could have stolen game three, sure. They got beaten game four badly when Kyrie got hurt. They were lucky to win game five. They got killed in game six. And then we all know about what happened in game seven. Kevin Durant by a centimeter. They scare me. And what really scares me about the Nets and why I'm convinced they're not going to win an NBA championship is that unless Kyrie Irving gets vaccinated or the rules change, they they don't feel good enough. I know that sounds crazy because they've got Kevin Durant, the greatest player in the world, which I completely agree with you. But when they have faced good to elite level teams this year, James Harden specifically has shrunk. And I don't trust him. I got to be honest with you. I know he went back-to-back player of the month last year, and he was great. He was putting together an MVP campaign before he got hurt. Specifically, I don't trust James Harden. Well, the postseason record is spotty. A lot of no-shows with the Rockets over the years. A lot of no-shows. Of course. Totally agree with you. I didn't feel that way until this year. I kind of gave that the benefit of the doubt. Well, he's the second guy here. You know, back in Houston, he was the number one guy. So I almost excuse that. The reason I don't have any confidence in him is from what I've seen. And I'm not even talking about game seven because he was clearly hurt and he was playing on one leg. But just this year, and I know I'm not supposed to care about regular season games, but opening night against Milwaukee a game against Miami in Brooklyn, the Golden State game, the Phoenix game, the Bull game the other night. He comes up small 
against every good opponent. And it's worrying me. It's worrying me that in a big spot against the box, if Kyrie Irving isn't there, James Harden isn't going to be able to step up and be the elite level player he needs to be. So I got, I got to tell you, the Bucks worry me. Everything worries me. And right now, I'm not confident that I'm going to see this team bring home an NBA title. Listen, I can't say I'm rooting for it. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. You know I love you. You're near and dear to my heart. I can't say I'm rooting for it. So, I don't blame I, you. From that standpoint, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of agony, a whole lot of misery. Listen, don't be a stranger. Love you. It's been fun. And I didn't know that you and Bill Simmons would have something in common. You know what that is. What do you we have in like, common? All aboard the Gardner Minshew bandwagon. Well, good, dude. Gardner Minshew's good. I, you know I've what? never I think I'm getting this. you the campaign slogan. You you love a good political campaign. <laughs> I, I, you might as well. Maybe that'll be your tag team, you know? <laughs> I'm with Bill on this. I, I never understood it just because he wasn't a first-round pick. He wasn't taking top five. Look at the man's career numbers. And he's always – and even the Eagles. Oh, yeah, when Jalen Hurts is ready, he's got to play. He should Why? be. They should stick with the stash. I of agree with course, you on that. Of course, dude. I don't get it. I think he might be part ginger. I think that's what it really boils <laughs> down to. I'm going to actually, like, Google that, or I'm going to find out from the family. I'll get Let some, me know. Let me I'll know. I'll get some answers. Listen, buddy. Love you. Continued success, all right? Thank you. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, folks. So before we get to voicemails, a couple of the big takeaways around the league. Monster win for the Chargers. I thought they were going to yuck it up late. Give them credit. Made enough plays when they needed to. Big day from Herbert. Big day from Williams. Got a defensive touchdown. Monster, monster win for the Chargers. Good for the Lions. They score on the final possession of the game. The Vikings ran one of the worst two-point plays you're ever going to see. Good for the Lions. Good for Dan Campbell. Good for Jared Goff. That was, that was nice to see. Now, 4 o'clock window. That was such a classic Raider game. Such a classic Raider game. Raider going to Raider. When the Raiders are coming off a win, that's when you got to go the other way. I love the football team. The football team of the Philadelphia Eagles is going to make the playoffs. Let that sink in for a minute. One of those teams is making the playoffs. Then the other two games, that were crazy. Steelers-Ravens at the end of the game was insanity. And anytime, listen, you have an opportunity to get Pittsburgh or Baltimore in a rivalry game at home getting points, it's an automatic play. It's an automatic play. That's why I was all over the Steelers today. But when they kicked that ball out of bounds, Jackson scores the touchdown. I'm saying, geez, this game's going to go to overtime. Baltimore's going to get it, and they're going to score, and I'm going to be sick. Thankfully, that didn't happen. And I loved Harbaugh going for two. I know I'm new school. I know I'm new age. I loved it. It took balls. He's going for the win on the road. He's trusting his quarterback. His quarterback made a bad throw. You could make the argument Andrews could have caught it. I thought it was a bad throw from Jackson, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought it was a bad throw. I know others are going to make another argument. That's fine. Keeps the Steelers alive. And now the Ravens opening the door for the winner of the Bills and the Patriots to find their way to the number one seed in the AFC, which, listen, if it's New England, I'm rooting hard for the Buffalo Bills. Not only because Beningo has the Patriots, I will be rooting hard for Buffalo. Big Bills fan on Monday night. 
right, voicemail time. Let's hear him, Sorority. JJ, Ron and Matt people, what's up, man? You're actually at this game right now. I just witnessed one of the most puzzling, unbelievable play calls. Joe Judge needs to go. It's fourth down and two. We can't do anything. Glennon is horrendous. Saquon looks like he's 60 years old. It's fourth and two. We have the ball in Miami territory. I believe it's like the 45-yard line. We punt. The guy punts it. We, we're not going to get that close again. You guys have the ball right now. It's We just had a third and 35 direct snap to the running back, Devontae Booker. That, that was wonderful. So we're probably not going to get into the red zone at any point the rest of the game. You guys are probably going to win. Hopefully they cover. I'd love a 10-6 loss. But it's unbelievable that Joe Judge punted that. That's a fireable offense. The guy needs to go. Him, Gettleman, can take a long walk off a short bridge. I hope the weather's nice in Miami. Um, let's go, Yanks. Peace. Well, the weather was fantastic. I'm still sweating a little bit. I think Saruti could probably see it. I got like the sunscreen dripping down because we were right behind the giant bench. So they put that in the sun. Lesson learned, if I ever go to a 1 o'clock game in Miami, I'm sitting on the Dolphins sideline. Although I think the vitamin D is probably beneficial for me, but it, it, it was hot. I was fitzing. It was a brutal call. All you need to know is put yourself in the opposing fan shoes. When I am giddy about the fact that a team is deciding to punt on fourth and two, that should tell you something. That happens way too much with this head coach. He came in here saying, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to coach to win. Seems like he's way too content punting and kicking field goals. And the Giant defense is solid. It's not exactly the 86. LT, Carl Banks, Harry Carson Giants. A little food for thought. Who's next? Hey, JJ. Eric down in Florida. First off, congrats on the win. Hope you enjoyed the trip. Uh, moving on to the Jets. Some uh, takeaways. Uh, I guess, first off, it's really nice to see Robert Sala actually get emotional and fired up on the sideline. I thought we were going to have a second coming of Joe Torre with watching a stoic character on the side. Uh, but it looked like he actually was getting into it, and the refs did officiate a terrible game. But that doesn't matter when your defense gives up a score on pretty much every drive that Gardner Minshew leads so, or left, led. So nice to see the mustache become an all-pro again. Jets defense has a lot of things to work out. I don't care if you prep for Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew shouldn't be leading a scoring drive on every possession of the game. Uh, over to Zach Wilson. Like what we saw in the first half, three scores, one rushing, two passing. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't see that in the second half, although even though they hardly had the ball in the second half. But that pick was terrible, and just circles back to the D. Uh, got to, got to, can't let a team score every time they have the ball. That's a pretty pathetic watch. Uh, and then the, the kicking game is comical. So I guess we can continue with open tryouts here after this guy, uh, whoever his name is, decided to miss the first two extra points he kicked. Well, I hope you enjoyed your NFL career. Move along. Oh, keep it up. Take it easy. Hopefully the Pats, for my, for my sanity's sake and my fantasy team's sake, uh, not do anything tomorrow night. So take it easy. See ya. Appreciate it. And, yeah, I mean, do we have any place kickers in the tri-state area? Any guys in high school, college, big legs, good shape? You want to try out for Robert Sala in the New York Jets? Good for Sala basically saying after he duffed the first two extra points, the hell with this, I'm going for two the rest of the game. I would have done the same thing. Jets, got to make them sick to their stomachs. Seeing a guy like Folk 
who was their kicker in a galaxy a long, long time ago, far, far away, never missed now for the New England Patriots. The guy never misses. And the Jets, they've had two, three, four kickers this year. They all stink. Anybody they bring in, it's, an, it's a nightmare. But their defense needs an influx of talent. That'll be the telltale sign to me for what Robert Sala can do as a head coach with a defense. They got money to spend. They got first-round picks. They can't be a bottom-five defense again next year. They're a bottom-five defense. And I'm being kind by saying that. Kind. That's because I'm in a good mood. Who's next? JJ, this is Kristen from Long Island calling on my way out of the garden on Saturday. Basically just need someone to talk me off the ledge after that one, so I figured I'd give you a call for the first time. That was pretty soul-crushing. Hopefully you'll be able to tell me they're better than what they showed, and I don't have to worry just yet. RJ's coming off that illness, and he'll bounce back. Hope to hear that we're not pushing the panic button. Love the show, and thanks for taking my call. Well, I love the support, number one, so thanks for chiming in. Number two, did anybody notice Tibbs go after R.J. Bear a little bit on Saturday? And mind you, I was having probably one of the worst golf rounds of my life, so I did not get an opportunity to see the Knicks and the Nuggets on Saturday. I, I think I just hit another ball into the, the water on Miami Beach Golf Club. I, I donated a lot to marine biology. Over the 18 holes I played. We'll see if that ends up being the case on Wednesday. What, what now, now? The debacle, nightmare of a golf round. Which I would have signed for if I was going to get a Dolphin win. Truth be told. I would have signed for it. Um, but basically, Tibbs was like, yeah. Maybe it's time to go in the gym and start chugging up some threes. And keep shooting to get yourself out of it. The Knicks need the version that we saw of R.J. Barrett in the first two and two and a half weeks to get going here. I don't know if it's the illness. I don't know if it's a shooting slump. They're not going to be a playoff team if this is the version of Barrett that you're going to get. He's got to be better. He flat out has got to be better. And the Knicks have better be careful now over the next couple of weeks. They're fluttering. They're you know, right around that 500 mark. The problem is the Eastern Conference is really good. It's really, really good. And that's why I was annoyed when the Knicks was squandering opportunities early in the year. They're losing to the Orlando Magic at home. They're losing to Cleveland at home. I know Cleveland's been solid, but you get my drift. Those are games you got to win when you knew you were going to basically go through a major gauntlet here in the month of December. Love the head coach calling out RJ. And I love both of them. I'm an RJ Barrett guy. I think he will play better. But that's what I want from Tibbs. No nonsense. So that's encouraging. All right, who's next? JJ, Jason from Stony Brook here, looking to talk some Knicks basketball. Big time Knicks fan, uh, concerned about this year's team. Uh, obviously, very pleased with the result of last year, you know, the underdog story, Randall most improved player. But I'm concerned about this year's group. I, I, I feel like they're, they're underachieving after overachieving last year. And I think a lot of it has to do with Randall. You know, I mean, I know he's had some good games here and there, but, you know, I, I watched him, you know, at the end of uh, last night's game against the Bulls, and, and he just doesn't look as focused. You know, he's got to make those free throws. You know, you got to knock him down. And Thibodeau with the coaching, you know, I mean, there, there's some drama there between, uh, you know, Randall and, and Fournier, and, and now, you know, Walker's not in the rotation. 
I mean, what's going on with Tibbs? I mean, what, what, why isn't he coaching up these guys? Why aren't they playing enough good defense? Why isn't Randall, you know, improving on being the most improved player? You know, it's not about now, you know, being the most improved player. It's being about, you know, uh, an all-star, you know, consistently. You know, I, I'm hard on Randall. I, I appreciate him. I respect him. But, you know, these new guys coming in, and, and now we're not the underdog. Now we got to set the tone and try to get back to where we were last year. It's 10 games over, 11 games over 500. We got to get going. We got to start, you know, hard-nosed, tough defense. You know, knocking down shots. Let's go. You know, the new guys got to be better. Let's go. All right. Later, JJ. Great show. Appreciate you. You're right about the fact that, the offseason moves the Knicks made. Fournier, very spotty. Walker has been a zero. It was worth a shot. Brought back the local kid. Kemba Walker looks like he has nothing left to give. This week for the Knicks. These next three games, they got to have a winning week. At San Antonio Tuesday night. At Indiana on Wednesday. Friday at Toronto. Because here's the problem. Then you got Milwaukee. And Golden State at Boston. Schedule does soften up a lot after those Milwaukee-Golden State games. I see Houston. I see Detroit. A couple of times. I see Oklahoma City there. I see Toronto a bunch. You got to weather the storm, though. And they're not as good defensively. Last year, the Knicks got max effort from everybody. And I think they snuck up on a lot of different teams. You know what else I think has hurt the Knicks? Have a little theory on this. Madison Square Garden, we know it's a great home court advantage. It's awesome. Me and the fellas were there a couple weeks ago. We had a great time. But when you come into the Garden as a road player and they're packing a house out, you got guys showing up. That's something you got to deal with. That's something that, as a home team, you have to be ready for. Hey, there are guys saying, I come to Madison Square Garden once, maybe twice a year. I'm putting on a freaking show. I think we've seen a lot of that this year. Got full crowds, places jumping. I'm going to shut them up. I'm going to go and do my thing. Yeah, it's Randall. Yeah, it's the idea that the guys you brought in haven't been as good as you thought they were going to be. The bench has clearly outperformed the starting lineup. It's been a very uneven season, especially when you started off the year, what, 5-1. and one. Knicks got to get going because the good news is there's not much separation between 4 and out where the Knicks currently reside. But finding your way out of the plan in this year's Eastern Conference, mark my words, not going to be easy. All right, last, not least, what do we got? Hey, JJ, this is Brendan from Minnesota. You know, I'm a Yankee and Nick guy because my dad's from out there. And my parents just thought it'd be great to make me a motherfucking Vikings fan. So I got to watch this football team lose to the goddamn Lions. What to do, JJ? I don't know. I'm depressed, sick, angry. Not to mention the Yankees do nothing. I don't know, JJ. I'm just sad. Congrats on your Dolphins. Later. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I wish you were in better spirits. 
You know, I was celebrating the Lion win because, you know what, uh, I have a buddy, the great Jeremy in Boston, is a big Lions guy. I didn't want him to have to sit through another winless season. The good news for the Vikings is they're still very much mathematically alive for those final two playoff spots in the NFC, but it almost should be like a rule. If you lose to the Lions, you, you automatically miss the postseason. That is, that is just inexcusable from Zimmer. That is inexcusable from the Vikings, and that's the sort of game that probably gets a coach fired. We have those in the NFL. I would categorize... Minnesota losing to the Lions as one of the games that gets massive regime change and the longtime tenured head coach probably booted from his job. Just a little food for thought. All right, good stuff overall. We'll come back. We'll get you set for Monday Night Football before we say goodbye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Monday Night Football. Game of the week. I can't wait for Patriots and Bills. Buffalo needs this game a lot more than New England. New England is red hot. New England is the road team. Buffalo has Tampa coming up next week. Then they have a trip to Foxborough. If Buffalo loses this game, they will not win the AFC East. If Buffalo loses Monday night at home, they're not winning this division. And that's a bit of disappointment for the Bills, considering what their expectations were at the beginning of the year. I have a strong feel. I have a strong take on the game. We'll see if Jeff Money and I are on the same page. Money, take it away. Up, JJ. Jeff Money here with a handicap for picks. This is for the Monday night football game on the 6th tomorrow. As you know, already I am 3-0 and at the 1 o'clock games. I'm guaranteed finally a winning week. I got the 49ers still left. And then the Monday night game, as you know, I'm already taking, I already gave this play out. I'm going to take the Patriots plus the two and a half over the Bills. That's my play. The Patriots on Monday night plus the two and a half. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. It will not be a family play for me and Jeff Money and for me and the great Joe Beningo. I like Buffalo in this spot. They needed a lot more. I think we finally see a little bit of a deer in the headlights look from Mac Jones. Buffalo's defense is stupendous. I think Buffalo can take the New Orleans game and use it as a major building block here. And I'm still convinced they're going to find a way to hang on and win this division. Maybe I'm a sucker. Maybe I'm an idiot for thinking that. But I'm sticking with the Bills. And I love the fact that everybody's bet New England. Everybody I talk to likes their pats. Bills Mafia for a Sunday or a Monday? I'm rocking with you guys. Bills, and I got him at two and a half. Love the Bills, Monday night. Let's just hope it's not 50 mile an hour wins. As I am like on the beach enjoying Monday night football, the idea of frigid temperatures and 50 mile an hour wins, whew, that is going to be a harsh reality for me to return to in about 10 days. But I will be down in Florida, shows all week. I'm going to probably be a lot tanner. Hopefully my golf game will come together, but the show must go on. See, we work anywhere. That's the beauty of what we do here at The Ringer. Folks at Spotify, they're the best. I could be in Florida, and I'm as well-connected as ever.
God bless technology. Saruti, fantastic job. My condolences on your Niners, my friend. My condolences. Enjoy your Monday. We're back Tuesday night. We may have a little surprise baseball guest for you. And if he does end up coming on the show, he's a character. So you're not going to want to miss that. JJ out. Be good, everybody.